Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast where we are excited to explore all things assisted reproductive technology, interviewing um, people who have personal stories of their lives changed, as well as professionals and experts in the area. Uh, today, uh, so I'm here with, with my co-host, Jennifer White, and I am Ellen Trackman. And uh, Jen, today I have a quiz for you to start out. Name, are you ready? Name five famous people who have used surrogacy to, have, to grow their families. Uh, oh. Goodness gracious. Uh, Kim Kardashian is the first one who's really obvious. Uh, Ellen Pompeo. Pom- oh, God. Am I going to say her name wrong? That's uh, right. how, how do you, you can say, like, Meredith from Grey's Anatomy. Meredith so. from Grey's Anatomy. Um, right. Good. You got two. Oh, God. I can see their faces. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Has Good. Used Carrie. Uh, Good. Uh, Jimmy Fallon. Good. One more. And... Crud, now you got me at a loss. Oh, well, here's um, Neil, the Patrick, Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, Neil Patrick. okay, okay. I'm the buzzer. I, yeah. Well, I can't believe you didn't name like the obvious one that the news just came out of a very famous person. Oh, not surrogacy, sorry. But news just came out of a very famous person who used IVF that was um, IVF. Was that's new. different. Yes. That's fair. That's fair. It straight to my mind. No, no, not surrogacy. Just IVF, yes. Okay. Yeah, no, um, that popped straight to mind, but not surrogacy. Right. Right. And that, that famous person? For IVF. Uh, that would be uh, Mrs. Obama, mm-hmm. uh, former first lady. The Obamas, as a couple, also used IVF. Right, yes. right. Well, good job. Um, you win the prize of now introducing yourself. Yay! I am Jen and White. Our, um, and our guest oh, as well. Oh, and our guest. Oh, you good. I was like, is it all about me? I didn't know, you know? I was like, <laughs> okay, hooray, I'm the guest. Okay, more no. importantly, our guest. No one cares about okay. you. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Well, no, I, I am me. Um, but also more importantly, we have uh, the honor today of talking to Ashley Hammonds, who did grow her family via surrogacy uh, and who went through an awful lot of IVF and who has a really, really incredible story, uh, really heartbreaking, touching and full of absolutely beautiful, beautiful moments. So without further ado, here we go. Welcome, Ashley Hammonds. Thank you for joining us on I Want to Put a Baby in You. We appreciate you coming and telling your incredible and moving story about um, what you went through with assisted reproductive technology. So welcome, Ashley. Do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for um, you both for having me on here. And I really um, am, I, I thoroughly enjoy sharing my story, not just to kind of inspire others that especially you're starting out on a journey and it just seems like such a long, tedious process, but also too, so that people understand that, you know, I'm totally open. If you can find me online, um, I, I'd love just chatting about your story and the things that you're, you've gone through and hopefully kind of help direct you. Um, I, I wish I had had people kind of helping me through this process. It was a long, long process to become a parent. And, and just, um, so, yeah. And just to give a little background kind of about yourself, people might notice that you have a little bit of accent. Are you from Australia? Is that, <laughs> is, it, is it German? I don't, I, I, don't, I can't place it. So, so yes, I'm in Georgia. So uh, I definitely have the Southern accent going. Um, what's funny though, 
people who live here actually ask me where I'm from. So that's, (laughs) (laughs) that is how thick the accent is. So please pardon, pardon that. Um, Maybe it's like a very very local dialect where you have to say like the county or the town. No, Maybe so. (laughs) I get it from my mother. I don't know where she got it from, but her and I apparently are the only ones that speak this way around, around these parts. (laughs) Around these parts. That's right. (laughs) That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about your, your early life so that we can start getting a background on your story. So, um, you know, I was, um, my background basically kind of started, I guess my fertility story, um, and, you know, specifically kind of started about a year after I got married, my husband and I, you know, we were trying, but not trying for about the first year. And we just assumed that, you know, you go through life thinking, you know, all of the ways that you try not getting pregnant. Right. right? I mean, right. we learned, don't get in a hot tub when you're in a teen, you know, when you're a teenager, yeah. don't, don't be messing around. <laughs> oh, and, you know, it's just so easy to get pregnant. Um, so that's kind of, you know, our thought as well. We started trying for a family when I was 28. So we didn't think that be before you married, you had no, idea. I mean, you were just trying not to get pregnant. You had no idea, no like, big medical issues, no anything. They, no, zero medical oh. issues at all. There was one little like maybe blip and looking back that I might have had an early loss in my early twenties, but I I never really thought anything of it until, you know, we started having losses, you know, over the last 10 years or so. So yeah. So no, no, um, no issues whatsoever. I just thought I was like everybody else. And when it's time to have a family, it would be no problem. No, you know, no problems at all. You know, take a couple of months and we're ready to go. So, um, yeah, so we basically, we got married and after about a year, we decided we were going to get kind of serious about having a baby. So for the first six months, we did like the usual stuff that women do when they start all this. They're like, okay, every single morning I roll over, I get my thermometer, I take my basal, you know, my basal temperature. I go and I start spending obscene amounts of money on Chinese herbs and, you know, fertility supplements that you now see like on Amazon everywhere with the fake reviews and all that good stuff. So, you know, taking all of that and then I'd call up my husband and be like, okay, today's the day and tomorrow and the next day make no plans. It's sexy baby time. making time. It's yeah. sexy time, which was like everything yeah, but right. sexy. Right. <laughs> So, um, that didn't work, you know, six months of that, it didn't work. So we decided to actually, you know, change OBs and let's, let's get really serious about this. So they did some testing, did, uh, exploratory surgery because they couldn't find anything wrong with me just to make sure there wasn't going to be endometriosis hiding in there or anything. And, um, did an HSG. So for those of you who aren't familiar with that, that's a hysterosalpingogram. And it's where they shoot dye through your tubes just to make sure they're not blocked. Um, that also can kind of help with fertility, uh, unbeknownst to us. And about a, a month after that HSG, I got a oh, positive wow. pregnancy test. like clear things time. out or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed yeah. to clear things out, you know, kind of helps shed, you know, any lining, any scar right. tissue. You know, there's, there's several things that it okay. can do. So, um, we're like, it only took a year. <sighs> Yay. Okay. We're pregnant. And so we made this big to do like, um, Mother's Day was coming yeah. up. And I was close to six weeks pregnant. And so I was like, okay, like, let's make this big announcement. So we had like the, the we had the video um, camera out and we made like this little gift and we announced it to our Aww. mothers. And my mom was going to be like a first time yeah. grandparent. So she's like bawling her eyes out. She's like, let's take you shopping. Um, so we go out to this little like way expensive baby boutique and find like this gender neutral the sweetest, softest little baby sleeping sack dress. 
and it's yellow and it has a little duck on it and it has a little matching hat that you cannot even imagine a little baby's head could actually fit in it. It's so small, right? And I take it home and my husband and I, you know, I like laying on the bed and we're just so happy and, you know, it's just such a sweet, special time, right? Um, and then three days later, I miscarried. Oh my God. I was telling tell your our, mom. Um, she cried for me. Like she was so upset. Um, I was just beside myself cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, we had this full, you know, um, year of trying and we did all of this stuff. We did everything right. And you know, what happened? So, um, took a couple of months to, to recuperate. And I will still say to this day, that was our first loss. Yeah. We have had seven cents wow. and I still every January 10th, that was the due date for that baby. And I still remember it. Like, I don't, I didn't really keep up with, with the others because you get numb to it after yeah. a while, but that very, you and know, so every January, had, I still, I still remember. Oh, that and that when you had announced to everyone that this is your due date. And totally right. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, you know, I did some research and I'm like, okay, you know, that first pregnancy, they always say that a lot of times people will miscarry when your body's trying to get ready. And, and our OB was like super optimistic. He's like, well, at least we know you can get pregnant. And you know, that's the first thing they always say. And I'm like, okay, great. Okay. okay. Something positive. So he's like, well, let's, you know, step this up a bit. We're going to try, try on some Clomid or some Femera and we'll see what happens. And we did three rounds of, um, of, uh, well, two rounds of Clomid, one, one round of Femera nothing happened. And so then he's like, you know what? You need to see yeah. a specialist. How was that? Uh, we, yeah, we hear nightmares so, about Clomid, especially. The Femera was fine. The Clomid was yeah. rough. Like, <laughs> I, I did not have some good, uh, uh, you know, but but they kind of work two different yeah. ways. Um, one is number of eggs released, and the other one is more egg mm-hmm. quality. So we kind of went at Got it from it. both ways, and uh, nothing happened. So they referred us to a specialist, and this was kind of like a local IVF place, like the place you go without having to drive all the way, like two hours to the big guys, you know, in the big towns. Um, So they suggested that we go ahead and do some medication, you know, some stimulation protocol and IUI, so intrauterine insemination. Um, Well, this was also a teaching (laughs) hospital. (laughs) And so my very first IUI, I'm in there, you know, legs in the stirrups, head below my my hips, and in walks the RE and six (laughs) medical students. Oh, and I and I am mortified. The doc, the door oh is wide gosh. open, and he's referring to me as the patient, wow. and like going through my medical history, and it was just it was heinous. It was awful. Wow. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, anything for a baby, and uh, we underwent four rounds of IUI, and no baby. So, um, the RE was like, well, you might have some PCOS. That's just not, you don't have any like visible symptoms, but that's probably what it is. So I find the RE that's closest to me, uh, the reproductive endocrinologist that specializes in PCOS, because apparently that's my problem. And it's, it's and of course it's my problem. We don't, we haven't even discussed my husband, you know, at this point, <laughs> because it's no, never the men, right? Right, right. <laughs> So, uh, we get up there and I have my very first consult in December and this was about a year and a half after we'd started trying to have a baby. And about four months later, I'm preparing for my first egg retrieval. And, you know, of course my husband's tests come back fine. Everything comes back fine. And we're that case where they're like, Oh, one transfer, you'll be pregnant. Breath, 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 breath. 
So, yeah. So we, uh, we did an egg retrieval, got a great number of embryos, did a fresh transfer. And all of my transfers throughout my entire infertility journey were two embryo transfers. And actually one of them, they, they tossed in three for good measure. Wow. Um, so a uh, double embryo transfer on the first attempt, it came back negative, And so did the next three transfers. And there's breaks between this. So So this is like six months or a year of your life. Right. So, I mean, you know, you can't just go boom, 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 month after month after month. So, yeah, it did. We did spread this out. It was probably about six or seven months and four retrievals. I mean, not four retrievals, four transfers. So it was kind of, it was really rough on my body, obviously very rough on, on your emotions, people that go through this, you know, the, these, you know, negative home pregnancy tests and the negative betas. And what would really get me is when I would have a, an HS, uh, HCG test, a beta test for pregnancy on a Friday and the clinic would get too busy to call me with the results. And I'd have to wait until Monday to find out we were, we were not pregnant. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really rough, rough time. Um, and it was that these things happen in some, some of the larger clinics. So, um, we regrouped after those four failures and our RA was like, okay, you're still young, but because you've had all of these failed transfers, let's, let's do some PGS testing, some genetic testing to make sure like these embryos are actually. And did you still viable. have embryos from the first retrieval or did you have to go through another one? Oh, no, no, no. no. We blew through, oh. we blew through all of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. We blew through all those. Another retrieval. So, um, so that, so we're doing another retrieval. And in the meantime, I'm, I'm already very, very involved in the infertility world. You know, there are websites, there are groups, Facebook groups weren't like a huge thing back then. They were just kind of getting started. Um, but you know, baby center and some of these others, they, they had some really good forums that you could learn from. Um, so I had started doing some research um, on things that were a little bit outside the box at the time. So like autoimmune issues, uh, that was not really a thing. The, these things like natural killer cells and MTF, MTHFR mutations and things like that. So I had already started doing some research on that and getting very involved in the infertility world. So by the time the second egg retrieval happened, I was kind of, you know, I had to sit down with my RE and I'm like, God. And, edu- and educate your RE. Yeah. <laughs> I had to, I, I had, I'm like giving him scientific papers from ASRM and some of these, uh, you know, obscure studies from Europe. He probably hated me. I mean, like the guy had to, <laughs> you know, and bless his heart. I'm sitting there looking at, at some of these previous emails to kind of jog my memory of my story. And he had the wow. patience of Job with me. I mean, wow. like I sounded like, you know, hey, have you even considered this for my case? And he really did go above and beyond in, you know, allowing me to have a hand in my own treatment. Um, and so we, I was actually a case uh, to, to their entire practice. They had five REs in the practice at the time. And I was their case study. And they determined that autoimmune testing was not warranted. And so I said, okay, well, let's just take a break. I want to get a second opinion. And so I actually reached out to Jeffrey Scher, um, who was, you know, a big um, you know, had, had a big position in the infertility world for, you know, thinking outside the box and this autoimmune kind of stuff. So I had a a consult with him and he agreed to work with my RE and order some tests. And we had numerous, numerous ones that came back with some really squirrely results, you know, um, elevated, elevated, um, things that should not be elevated, 
omissions that should not be uh, absent, all of this stuff. So um, my RE did agree to put me on some alternate protocols, which included things like intralipid infusions and shots twice a day for blood thinners, Lovenox, um, prednisone, which you can, you know what that does to your body. I mean, it was just... But I'm like, you know, anything hormones for Hormones and steroids. <laughs> yeah. Just so awesome. I, was, yeah. I was a raging psychopath for several <laughs> Yes. So for and several months. And you were starving months. probably too all the time. Yeah. Well, starving and fat. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, um, so not a fun time. Um, but with this new uh, protocol and PGS tested normal embryos, I'm like, we got this. Like, this is going to happen. And sure enough, um, it didn't happen. Um, so it was a total, you know, from, from those two egg retrievals, it was a total of nine transfers. Um, and we had one chemical pregnancy, um, from all of those transfers. We got, you know, one positive pregnancy test and, and it faded after a few days. So, um, I think the highest beta I ever got was like 256. So, um, by that point we were kind of out of patience and out of money. And my husband even said, uh, that was, you know, when we got our last negative beta, he was like, let's, why don't we take a step back from this and maybe look into adoption? Cause he, he kind of had it by then. So uh, we, we started, uh, the process of not just adoption, but I had already started looking into surrogacy. And reached out to, started reaching out to agencies, started reaching out to experienced surrogates that I found in the forums, <clears throat> and really doing my research on that. Um, so at, simultaneously, we had two things happen. One, we started speaking to a surrogate um, to see if she was interested in working with us. And B, we put in an application to an adoption agency. That application went nowhere. Um, we, we got dropped pretty quickly, one of which was because we were going through infertility, and they thought we weren't committed. I was going to say, with it, seriously, so, that, doesn't yeah. even, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, that's the point. Like, if you're going through infertility, that's the point. Well, you can't so they have were, a baby. Yeah, they were worried that we had not grieved the idea of not having our own child properly, I think, is kind of where it came from. And so, you know, we had all of that going on. Um, and th- the girl that we had been speaking to um, that was a surrogate, she had ended up matching with another family and it was sort of out of nowhere and it was a little heartbreaking. You know, a lot of intended parents kind of go through that when they're yeah. uh, searching when you're matching one. independently. Yeah. Right, right. It's like, you know, everything is fabulous and lots of communication and then all of a sudden they ghost on you and you're like, what happened? Um, so that happened. So, you know, we're like, eh, let's just, just concentrate just like on the adoption thing. <laughs> It is yeah. just like dating. It it's is. very scary uh, and very intimidating and very, you're very vulnerable during that process. So um, in the meantime, we had a friend of a friend approach us who had an unplanned pregnancy. And she was like, I want you to adopt my baby. Oh, wow. I just found out I was, I'm pregnant. I'm like, you know, three months pregnant. And I'd love for you to be involved in the pregnancy. Come to the appointments. I don't want any you know, I, this doesn't necessarily need to be known. Like if she wants to know who her birth mother is when she's a teenager, sure. But I don't want any kind of involvement. It was kind of like the perfect scenario for us. And so we got really, really excited. We started going to the OB appointments. I remember the first time we met her, we took her a bouquet of flowers mm-hmm. and I felt so inadequate. Like I'm giving this woman a bouquet of flowers and she's going to give me her baby. Right. Like, and, and no questions asked. Like she doesn't want to be involved. She doesn't, you know, she just wants to do the right thing. So I was, that was very humbling. Um, 
And then we proceeded to go to the OB appointment and went to a couple. And then when she was in her second trimester, I remember I I was out, my husband and I were out at a park on a weekend Mm. and I got a phone call from my friend who was, you know, our mutual friend. And she said, um, Julia is having a miscarriage and they think, um, you know, and, and we're 25 weeks. Oh my goodness. And so we found out at that point she did miscarry. It was a baby boy. And, um, and far enough along that we were actually even, even we attended the little memorial for the baby. Wow. And it was just awful. I mean, it was just an absolute nightmare. Like not just, you know, what she went through, but, but like we'd already kind of been making plans. Right. Right. And that just kind of took all the wind out of our sails, like for everything. Like we, 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 we did not have the energy to do a single thing, like not pursue surrogacy, not not right. pursue adoption, not, not sure. You didn't even have the energy, to get, of, of you didn't have the energy to get out of bed. You know, I mean, no, absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely not. So, uh, we took a step back and, um, over the next six months didn't really do much. And of course, you know, it's always in the back of your mind to keep trying. So of course we were still trying, but not trying and sort of giving my body a rest. And we did get pregnant again. Um, but again, you know, it was one of those where we had a positive pregnancy test. And by the time I got to the OB for a blood test, beta was under 200. You know, it was an early chemical again. So that's just kind of what kept happening, repeat. Um, and at that point, I was like, you know what? Um, time for an ablation. Uh, right. So we started talking about that. But then my husband was like, well, let's kind of pursue the surrogacy thing one more time before you do all of that. Um, and so we did. Um, we created a profile on one of the matching websites because again, Facebook, there weren't really Facebook matching groups at the time. So there were a couple of websites that you would just go to, to try to find a match. So, um, in June, I created a profile and, you know, took a deep breath and I hit some, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just put it all out there for somebody. (laughs) And unbeknownst to me a, a week before, um, a stay-at-home mom, one state over from me, had joined that same website and had been looking through intended parent profiles to try to find a family to help. And that same day, she had uh, she came across our profile. And um, later that night, I got an email saying that someone had replied to my post. And I sign on. And she's like, I love your profile. It totally spoke to me. I think you sound incredibly sweet and exactly what I'm looking for. Would you like to chat? And so, of course, my husband and I'm like right, getting like right. sweaty palms and, you know, like, oh, my yes, God. You right. know, like I just got asked to the prom. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm just I'm so excited and I'm like crying and I'm so nervous because, you know, by then I had had about a couple of years worth of research into surrogacy. And I'm like, this might be the real deal. Because, uh, of course, I'd already, like, stalked her Facebook profile and <laughs> you know, looked, up her, wow. looked up her address and, and, and looked her up in some of the some of the. Oh, you're a good stalker. You're oh, yeah, a really I'm a, good I'm stalker. A fantastic stalker. <laughs> um, so the next night, we did a FaceTime call. And, of course, you know, I had just gotten an Apple phone, like, my very first, I think it was like a 3S Apple 3S, like it's way back, you know, ancient. And so Facebook, this is, I mean, FaceTime, this was like my very first FaceTime call. You know, so I felt like so um, technologically advanced, right? We get on this call and she is just the sweetest. She's exactly what we're looking for. Um, And a month later, we're down at her family's house celebrating her daughter's birthday. 
among her entire like extended family and friends. And we're just, you know, part of the group. And, and, and that's kind of, that was the telltale like test, whether this was going to work out for us or not. And, um, so we, we kind of became family then. And, um, so we wrapped up contracts quick cause we'd already spoken about all of that. And, um, we actually had changed clinics, you know, it was time for a change. So we located a clinic close to her that had really great, um, statistics and success rates. And I did my third egg retrieval down there. And so we're like, okay, this is not going to be a problem at all. We, she had already started her meds. We're going to do a fresh transfer. And unbeknownst to us at the time, we did not understand the risks of double embryo transfer. And so we were like twins, like two for one. We would love to be parents to twins. This would be so much fun. Um, we get a call from our embryologist on day two saying, I don't know what the problem is, but only one of your eggs fertilized. Oh. Out of, and, out um, it, and it's struggling. Oh. Did it? How many eggs had you had retrieved? Do you remember? Oh, we had... Um, a lot. I don't remember so the exact More, more than one. I think it was like 10, 10. Oh, yeah. It was 10 or 11 wow. eggs. Wow. And only one fertilized. Wow. And um, and she's like, and, and we're on day two right now, and it's struggling. I would really like for your surrogate to come in, and let's go ahead and do a transfer earlier rather than later. So uh, the transfer was actually scheduled for later that afternoon. So it was a day two Hail Mary transfer. And, um, and of course, it didn't take. Um, <clears throat> so we regrouped and prepared for another embryo transfer and did some, some additional tests on my husband because that was kind of the one thing that had not been looked at for a while. And they wanted to make sure that that everything was okay. Well, come to find out his morphology <laughs> and everything was like in the toilet. I mean, these guys had been like uh-huh. wonderful Olympic swimmers, you know, and oh, now they were God. like two headed little monsters <laughs> that like to swim in circles. that didn't know oh, where no. they were going. Like, I don't know what was going on. <laughs> and they're like, what has changed? Like, has there been any dietary or environmental changes and the more we started thinking, we're like, well, yeah, he works in a facility now that has an indoor pool and he handles oh. pool chemicals all day long. Oh. And so they're like, aha, you know, that's it. So they were like, well, we have a sperm selection tool that we can use that's a little unique. It's not super well known. Not a lot of clinics use it, but we think we might, that might work in your case. And we're like, okay, well, let's try it. So we do another egg retrieval. We get about eight eggs from that one. And on day two, they call us and they give us great news. I remember I was even where I was when I got the news and they were like, we have four that have fertilized and we would rather go ahead and put these, you know, transfer these into your gestational carrier on day three instead of waiting until day five. All four? No, no, no. Two out of four. So we're we're going to, we're going to transfer two and we're going to freeze two at day three because we just don't think they're going to survive in a Petri dish that long. And I'm like, okay, well, what? like what kind of success are we looking at here? Like potential. And they're like less than 10%. Like I'm sorry to say, but cause they're already struggling on day two, but hopefully one of the two will take cause they're fairly kind of fairly graded at this point. And we're like, okay. So we go in, do the transfer. And, um, 10 days later, her beta is already over 800. <laughs> and then second beta two days later is over 4,000. Wow. <laughs> so, um, you know, six week ultrasound, well, actually five weeks, five day ultrasound, uh, came back and there, there were twins. Yeah. 
So they both took. So these day three fairly graded embryos ended up being a twin pregnancy. And we were just absolutely thrilled and so excited. Um, uh, day, uh, on week 14, we went to the OB and they, uh, identified that there was an umbilical cord issue that could cause problems. And so from that, we're like, you know, we're, we're, we're stayed away, you know, now with a high risk pregnancy. And so she's required to go to the, you know, maternal fetal medical medicine specialist once a week for the remainder of the pregnancy. Oh, wow. And her own OB, like every two to three weeks. So this girl is like going to OB appointments like it's nobody's business. And, um, and, and thankfully, that was about the only hiccup. I mean, there was, there was no uh, early contractions. There were no other issues. Um, and she goes into spontaneous labor uh, at like just shy of 36 weeks. Even you know? the umbilical cord, though, you feel like, no, no, no. We deserve a perfect pregnancy. Well, right? so here's, you know, like, well yeah, and in, and in hindsight, I say, you know, everything went smoothly and we were very fortunate. But here's the stressor that we were worried about this entire time. They said the umbilical cord has no cushion around it. It has nothing to protect it. So if the baby jerks on the umbilical cord or oh. if, you're, if, you, if she goes into labor, Oh. The umbilical cord is also very short. What could basically happen is oh, no. yeah. the umbilical cord can break and it's on, it's the baby that's closest to the cervix, which means all three could bleed out. So oh, like you're the not going to possibly lose one baby or you're not possibly going to lose two babies. If this happens, the gestational carrier could also die. Wow. wow. So we had to live with that the entire pregnancy uh, as did she. And I assume they're planning like, okay, we're going to do a C-section. We absolutely have to do a C-section. Yes. And then yes. that didn't happen. Then she went into labor. So she went into labor um, and on her own, uh, she, she went into labor one week before the planned C-section. Of course. And I was on a business trip in Miami at the time. <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> so as I'm touching down in Miami at like 11 o'clock in the morning, my phone, my texts just start, you know, just blowing up. And I look at it and she's like, I think I'm in labor. And I'm like, you think you're in labor? And she's like, well, yeah, I'm in labor. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. And she's like, so I'm heading to the hospital. I just went home, got some clothes and I'm, I'm heading back. Can you get on a plane and get here? And so I'm like, uh, okay. So I don't even go back to the ticket, to the ticket booth. I'm literally, I stay on the con- the same concourse. I got off the plane. I get a ticket to um, a town like an hour away from her. And, um, and I get there literally 20 minutes before they cut her open. Oh my goodness. They they knew I was on my way. (laughs) Yes. They were waiting. They were waiting. Thank thank you. But you have to tell the rest of how you got from that airport as well. So I think this is pretty awesome. (laughs) This is pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, the, the issue was, is how I'm going to quickly get from an hour away to the clinic and I mean, to the, to the OB's office and still make it in time. Well, just, um, just so happens that my surrogate's father was dating a woman who lived in that town an hour away. And she, she happened to be at home and she had a day planned of shopping and all of that. And she's like, I will pick you up from the airport 
I will be there the minute you land and I will take you straight to the hospital. So, I mean, it was like the stars just aligned for me that day. Otherwise I would have missed the delivery completely. So, you know, she, she drives me over, you know, kind of like, you know, a bat out of hell and I'm, you know, coming in on, coming in on two tires and, you know, I'm running out, you know, running through the front door and this was before our hospital tour. So I had no idea where I was going because we didn't plan that. And, um, you know, we had had a scheduled C-section. So, th- of course, nothing unplanned was going to happen. That, that you know, there was no need for a hospital right. tour at that time. Right. Right? And so I'm running in and her husband's, her husband was already in scrubs and he's like throwing scrubs at me. He's like, get dressed, get <laughs> sterilized. We got to go. We're in the OR waiting. And I go in and the OB is just the sweetest man. And, and I'm like, I didn't even get a chance to talk to you about delayed court no. clamping. <laughs> that, is, that is my priority right now. <laughs> but I'll tell you what he was, you know, it was him and he kind of chuckled and there were like 12 other people in the OR because this is a twin delivery, high risk. And he's like, tell me what you want to do. And do you know that that man actually did it? Like, he, he gave, I mean, it wasn't like as long as I honestly wanted, um, but he did the delayed cord clamping and um, let me see my, let me see the babies. And I got to be the first to hold them. You know, I was there in the OR and I was so excited that I did not realize what was happening, that one of the twins, they had actually already tubed her, like oh. incubator, you know, for, oh, a, wow. you know, incubator, I did not have, didn't even see it. I was so excited to see both babies and didn't realize what was happening. And I'm, and now I'm looking at pictures of me holding both babies together and they had already put the tube down her throat. She had swallowed amniotic fluid and was having trouble breathing, but wasn't like so unstable that they had to take whisker right away. Um, and so they, you know, they took her from me and told me what was happening. And, you know, I was like, you know, they, they assured me everything was going to be okay. So, um, they did the weight and the measurements for my baby boy who didn't have any issues and whisked my little girl off to NICU. And, you know, I sat there and spoke to my GC, at, you know, as they were sewing her back up. And, you know, it was just, it was a really, really special moment. She was, you know, she had tears going down her face. I had, you know, I was crying. She's like, that's what I've been waiting this whole time for is Aww. to see you become a mom. Aww. And, you know, and her husband was there holding her hand and he was giving me a hug. And he's like, I'm so glad I got to see this. This is amazing. And, and he's like, go, go see your baby. And so I left, my husband has still not made it yet. By um, Is he driving? He's still driving with with my mother in the car. um, And he's still like two hours away. So I go to the well care nursery and I'm, you know, taking care of, you know, my son and, you know, trying the whole like feeding thing with the bottle. My, my surrogate had started, um, um, getting, you know, being able to extract a little bit of colostrum, right. You know, a couple of weeks before birth. And, um, and so I already had something to feed him, thankfully. And uh, she got wheeled to recovery. And so we were all visiting and, my husband was about half an hour away and all of a sudden our surrogate, she starts going, I'm feeling a little funny. Oh no. And I'm like, okay, um, well let's, let's call the nurse in here. And so the nurse comes in and she's like, well, you know, your blood pressure is a little low. It's probably, you know, just you're coming off the anesthesia and everything, every, you know, I'll, I'll call the doctor in. And then about five minutes later, she's like, I'm, I feel like, like my chest is really heavy. I feel like there's an elephant sitting on my chest. And then she starts talking about how she can't breathe. 
and literally like we, you know, tell the, tell the nurses, you know, take the baby, like get, you know, everybody, everybody out. It's, it's her dad. It's me. It's the nurses. It's the doctors. She's starting, her color is starting to turn. You know, you can tell she's starting to panic and, um, they basically say she's never had anesthesia before because her previous pregnancies were vaginal. She's allergic to the anesthesia we gave her. Uh. And so um, that was after they had ruled out that she was having a pulmonary embolism. You know, they were like, that's not it. Um, so she's having an allergic reaction to the anesthesia. So um, she was, it was, it was pretty kind of touch and go. We didn't know what was going on. They, they pretty much pushed us all out of the room and had an emergent team go in and see, you know, see what they could do. And they were able to stabilize her, you know, within a couple of hours. Right. Um, Scary so, couple hours. So it was very, very scary. I mean, it was awful because, you know, you, you're as a new parent, you're sitting here going, you know, she just possibly gave up her life for this. You can't be happy. You can't be concentrating on your new baby when you're worried that who you see now is almost like a sister, you know, is, is might, might, might not make it. So, I mean, it was just, it was absolutely a nightmarish, nightmarish situation that I would never want anybody to have to go through. Um, so once she was stabilized, um, you know, my husband came in the door and he checked on her first. And we probably visited for a half an hour. And then finally he was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of ready. I didn't want to meet my baby until, you know, un, until she could, she could see that. You know, he wanted our surrogate to be part of that. And so they, you know, we brought the baby in and let him, you know, meet his son for the first time and let her witness that. And, um, and we, you know, we have, we have pictures and it was just a really great special moment that we all shared and, um, you know, uh, recovery other, otherwise was very smooth for her. Um, we were, we were actually able to stay in the Ronald McDonald house adjacent to the hospital while our daughter was in NICU. Um, and she was in NICU for, for about a week. Um, they were having problems getting her to eat. And, and then in, in, and in the meantime, my, my son, who had been perfectly fine, decided to have the wimpy white boy syndrome, <laughs> is what, they call, what the hospital called it. Wimpy, wimpy little white boy. He decided he was going to stop oh, eating, no. too. Oh, no. And so they started threatening to put him into NICU if oh. he didn't start eating. Um, and so, you know, we kind of discussed what our comfort level was. Um, you know, he was sort of refusing the bottle. Um, and my daughter, you know, that she was still having to eat through a feeding tube. And so we, we kind of discussed things with our surrogate and she was comfortable, uh, actually, you know, breastfeeding as was I. And, um, and that's kind of, you know, a hot topic in the surrogacy community is what are you comfortable with in terms of bottle feeding versus breastfeeding. Um, and at that point, because he was struggling to eat, you know, we were like, let's go ahead and try this. And sure enough, he, he was able to eat very well that way. Um, and so she maintained breastfeeding until, you know, we were discharged from the hospital with him. Um, and then my daughter was discharged a few days later and, um, but she was on a, you know, on a breathing monitor because her breathing still wasn't quite stabilized. So let me tell you a little bit about our trip home. (laughs) Without children in the car, our distance was about six and a half to seven hours. With newborns in the car, that ended up being about a nine hour trip. Um, And let me tell you why, (laughs) because about every 20 minutes, that breathing alarm would go off. Oh no. 
and we are in the sticks, people. Like, we are not within 20 miles of even a community hospital, much less a hospital that could actually do something. Oh, no. With her, she had not had an alarm go off in like 48 hours, but she decided to start acting up the minute we got in the car. <laughs> so, so it'd be like, you know, 30 minutes of just, you know, silence and all of a sudden, you know, oh, meaning that she has stopped breathing. <sighs> Oh, my God. And so you can imagine as new parents, like, my nerves were completely oh. shot. Like, we were about to turn that car right. around and just go right back to the What do you do when and, it goes off? Do you have to – you stop the car and – Well, so so we would stop the car and, you know, my husband and I were both, like, bawling our eyes out by the time we got home. Because we would, you know, we'd run to the back and we'd check on her and here she is with her little eyes open and she's smiling <laughs> and she's just fine. <laughs> So, um, so needless to say, you know, I'm sitting there going, we need a breathing monitor. Like we need a baby monitor, you know, I'm like looking up every expensive, but you know, and they're like, you know, the breathing monitor that we sent you home with is adequate. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, but the alarm keeps going (laughs) off (laughs) because it's doing its job. And I'm like, well, but, but that means she's not breathing. (laughs) So it was a little, it was a little nerve wracking as, you know, first time parents to have to deal with that too. Um, And then about three weeks after we, we brought our twins home, our surrogate came up and actually um, visited with us. The, the plan was to stay like three or four days. And I think she ended up staying a week because oh, wow. we just all had like the best time. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it was, it was, she, she was so thrilled to be able to see us as a family unit and oh. to spend time with us and our fam- extended family and, and let us get some sleep. She would, oh, <laughs> she would actually nice. come up and kind of relieve us. Which right. was so nice because we had not gotten on any sort of sleeping schedule at all, obviously, with with two newborn preemies. And so it was that was a relief to have that. Um, so, yeah. So um, we we now those those twins, they are now four and um, and eating and breathing and, and, and eating and breathing and doing everything that they're supposed to do. Now, my, my daughter did decide to swallow a quarter uh, a few months ago. <laughs> That's also so, normal. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, and now, so now we're paying off about a $2,000 medical bill for that. Uh, that's, that's beautiful. Um, so, so to back up just a little bit. So after our journey, um, you know, we, we have stayed, um, in contact with our, with our surrogate and she's, you know, an extended member of our family now. Um, but she did have some, you know, an issue that, that came to light after she delivered. Um, she did have a family history that, that she didn't know about at the time, but she started having some thyroid problems and uh, could not get that under control at all. And uh, so after some tests, she was actually diagnosed with Hashimoto's, um, which is something she will have for the rest of her life and could definitely impact, you know, her thyroid function and just overall health. Um, over the course of years and her being in, you know, her early twenties, that's a very, you know, early age to be diagnosed with something like that and, and have to live with. So, um, I, again, kind of another one of those things that come with the risks of, you know, a twin pregnancy, especially when you don't have a complete family history. Um, because that's certainly a, that was certainly a factor in her diagnosis was, was carrying twins. Um, so after our journey, um, Well, and I will say in preparation of our journey, I had um, interviewed numerous agencies. Again, I had I had spoken to numerous surrogates. We had really done, you know, a couple of years of research before we got to got got to that place. And I realized after our journey that there was just not at least in my part of the country at the time, there was just not a, a robust offering of really great surrogacy agencies that I felt like kind of catered to the needs, 
not just financial, but emotional needs of attended parents. So, um, so my husband and I, we actually already had started a business years ago and had planned on, you know, selling it, um, to a, a kind of a national firm. And when that happened, it's kind of like timing all worked out. Um, and I, we decided at that time, I was like, you know what, this is a need. This is something that I have a major passion about. And I would really like to look into, you know, opening an agency, specifically a low cost agency that can help intended parents, um, that understand, you know, from another intended parent, what they're going through. And so, um, I did start an agency shortly after our journey, um, completed. And, um, and then we, uh, pretty, I would say within a couple of months after that, we had another chemical pregnancy, which was completely unplanned and not even on our radar because, you know, we had two-year-old twins. Right. <laughs> so you can imagine that was very um, tough. And uh, again, it was, a, it was an early loss, like six weeks or so. And I looked at my husband and I'm like, that's enough. Like I'm, I'm done with this, this constant loss and like worrying about what's going to happen. And he said, well, you know, we, we touched on that idea of an ablation last time. Why don't we look into that? Because hormones in my body, you know, um, like birth control pills or, or things like that don't, don't really mesh well, um, with me physically. So ablation was kind of what had been recommended to me. So I go in for my consult and they run, they go ahead and do a path and all of this stuff at the same time. And we go ahead and get scheduled for an ablation. And I get a phone call back from my OB and she's like, um, your pap came back abnormal. I'm like, oh, great. Of course, another thing. Right. One like, more thing. Really? <laughs> exactly. We're going to need to postpone your ablation and you're going to have to come in for a colposcopy, which is just so oh, much fun. I've had one. They're horrible. Yeah. Oh, they're, I mean, like I'm in tears anticipating the discomfort oh, that comes yeah. from those things. I cannot stand them. So I'm on the table, I get one, go home, you know, um, bleeding for like a week after it's, it, I, I don't know. I just, it, it was awful. And, um, and then I have my ablation scheduled for like a couple of months out. Well, um, I am preparing. So, you know, I mentioned that I'd started the agency a while back. Um, I'm actually planning to visit with the clinic that got our gestational carrier pregnant. You know, it's like a networking thing, Right. And I, and so the, the trip is planned. My husband and I are going down there for like a long weekend because we're going to meet with our, our surrogate and spend some time with her while we're down there too. And I'm like, uh, my period did not come this month. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, big eye roll. He's like, of course it didn't. And so I take a pregnancy test and it's positive again. And I'm like, uh, So that was about two days after, you know, before our trip down to this clinic. So I go down there and I meet with the RE and my old coordinator and I'm kind of chuckling to them. I'm like, guess what happened again? And she's like, pregnancy test. I'm like, yeah, it's positive. And I said, I don't know if I'm two weeks pregnant, six weeks pregnant, you know, whatever. And she's like, let's just hop up on the table, girl. (laughs) We'll take a look. That's hilarious. (laughs) So here I am, you know, in my skirt, my high heels. And I'm like, okay, you know, so I jump up on the table. um, And, you know, because I, 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 we're very familiar with one another by by now after all of this. And um, so she, she started, the ultrasonographer starts taking a look and she kind of has a little smile on her lips. And she's like, um, 
do you, you, you realize you're pregnant? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's what I'm in here for. And she goes, no, 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 you're, you're really pregnant. And I'm like, okay, well, how pregnant are we talking about? And she goes, I would say about nine weeks along. Oh my God. Wow. And we are just in absolute shock because no baby has ever made it to nine. And was your, your husband, was he there with you at that point? Oh yeah, he was there. He was there. Yep. And, um, so, I mean, we're both just like, there are no tears, there are no smiles. Like we are literally in shock. And, um, you know, I tell my surrogate and she's like, oh my God, I cannot believe this. You know, like it's a big thing. We do not tell a soul. Yeah. Because after all of this, I'm like, there's, there's no way. I mean, like this, this, you know, this is great that we're, we're this far along, but I'm certainly not going to tell anybody until, you know, we're at least at this first trimester. Um, no, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Till the baby is emerging. Um, that's it. Yeah. Right. And I will tell you, so we did, we did make kind of a soft announcement around 16, 17 weeks along. Um, we did not buy a single thing for that baby wow. until after it was born. Like wow. that's how terrified I was that that was not, I mean, it was like, you know, I did the bump pictures. I did the normal, like, everyday things that you do as a pregnant person, but I was absolutely completely terrified that I was either going to miscarry or this baby was going to be born with a cord wrapped around its neck. Like there was no way we could be that lucky. Um, and she will turn 22 months here soon. Wow. And that is, um, so that, so I, I finally, after all of that heartache and all of that money and all of that time and all of those tears, I finally did get to have a baby physically. Um, and I will say that I see her no differently than I do my twins. Um, they're all, you know, they're all the same. I carried her, uh, but I was very surprised to see that the bonding was not any different. You know, how I feel about her is no different than them. Um, and she absolutely just worships them. You know, she's their little mini me. <laughs> and, um, and it was just, it was all, it was all a really great experience. And I, I definitely have a lot of sympathy for her pregnancy in general now. Right. Whereas then I couldn't really relate to that as much as I, as I can now. Yeah. Um, and then kind of the latest development, we never took ablation off the table oh, <laughs> after funny. all of that. Um, yeah. And so, um, you know, that was something that we, we did talk about again. Um, and definitely more recently this past summer, we did have another unexpected pregnancy oh um, that was unplanned. And so that, and that's the thing, it, us getting pregnant now is, or never really has been a problem. It's staying pregnant. Staying pregnant. That is the right. problem. Right. And, um, and in this case, it was something that I had not ever had to deal with before. This was an actual ectopic pregnancy. Wow. Okay. And so, um, which I did not find out about until I was, um, my tube had ruptured and I was bleeding oh, out no. oh, and, um, we had to go in for an emergency, emergency surgery. And, um, and I did lose my right tube to that. So I think we're done. Wow. <laughs> we're done. We're, we're, we're done with that. Um, you know, that was loss number eight and I'm, and, and we're done. And, you know, I, I, I kind of tease, you know, we, we have the two embryos still left on, you know, on ice, but at kind of at this point, um, I think that's probably where they're going to stay. Um, you know, th- this is just, it's been a very satisfying and amazing, very unique and crazy journey we've been on to grow our family. Yeah, And, and you were um, also running an agency during all of that too. It was definitely a unique perspective, I guess, in that. And, and, and yes, and absolutely. in starting an agency, um, which is definitely something that I'm, you know, 
can can focus on 100% now. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. So so give us what is your your big takeaway one piece of advice, you know, I guess the for for anybody who is either starting this journey or going through I, I guess the the big lesson you learned from this. What what is it? <laughs> Oh my gosh, the big lesson would be to absolutely, you have got to advocate for yourself every single step from the beginning, or you waste so much time and you waste so much money if you're not willing to search out those answers for yourself. Because even after that second egg retrieval, and you know, we had blown through something like 20 embryos, they were still, we were going to keep going. Like that was the recommendation. Like, let's just keep trying. Uh, before I decided, you know what, I'm going to go get a second opinion and I'm going to do some my own research and I'm going to see what else is out there and and I'm going to look for other answers. Um, Otherwise, we could have been spending spending another five five years doing the same thing with no results. Um, So that would kind of be my my absolute takeaway because as as much as you might love your clinic, as much as you might love your RE, they're all human and they see so many people in the same boat trying to have a baby and there's just only so much personalization you can do to each person's protocol and treatment and plan. And so sometimes it is going to be in your best interest to think outside the box and to challenge your medical providers and what their plan of care is for you. Because it may not be as cookie cutter. I mean, it may be more cookie cutter than it needs to be. Right. No, that's, you know, that's so really, advice. really, yeah. Research, 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 and and be your own champion. Awesome to to have the family you want. Wonderful. Thank you so so much for coming on. I know people, anybody who's out there on Facebook can definitely find you and connect you out there. I mean, I I've definitely connected through many ways. I mean, I've seen you in person and things like that, but also through Facebook as well. And I know you're right. so generous with your your time and your advice. So anybody out there, if they want to connect with Ashley, I mean, really. We appreciate you coming on here, sharing your story and your absolute openness with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. And um, I wish so much luck to all of the families out there that are trying to do what, you know, what we did. Um, keep at it. Don't give up. Um, it, you may have to take a breather. You may have to take a break. Um, but then pick, pick right back up and start again and, and you'll get there. I love it. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much. Thanks to Ashley. What a great personal story of persistence and perseverance. And I just can't imagine how many times that if it was me, I'd want to give up. And it's amazing to go through all that and then have a happy ending. It's just really um, makes me happy to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's really, really incredible. I yeah, I'm so thankful for everybody who's always so open and willing to share their lives and their experiences with us too. Because I, you, you know, you're reliving it every single time you're talking about it, which just makes it all the more incredible that people are willing to talk to us. So, um, speaking of persistence, uh, we are on season four now. This is really exciting. We we didn't even say like welcome back to ourselves or or anything. You know, I mean, oh, come on, right? season four. Yeah, season four. Yay! Um, but no, we really do love to hear from people because we, we want to hear what makes this a uh, great podcast for you. So if you want to give us a call at 303-997-1903, we really do appreciate your feedback here on iTunes, uh, anywhere that people really want to reach out to us and either share their stories or experiences or just tell us what they want to hear. So we appreciate it. And I'm uh, really excited to hear from everybody and keep going. So thanks so much. Mm-hmm.